The thing is not how you are on your best days, how can you step up on your worst day? When everything is going terrible, when you're tired, when you're frustrated, when you're edgy, how do you treat other people? Fuck pain, fuck heartbreak. I'm still in love with life. Multicultural headquarters of the future capital of the free-thinking states of America known as Los Angeles, this is the Drunken Dows Podcast. On this episode, the endless treachery of the us-versus-them mindset and the importance of dealing with the individual in front of you, the curse of partial solutions that actually fix nothing. Instead of solutions, ask how you can help, because the goal is to make someone happy the triumphant return of the digital mailbag, and learning to apply humanity's greatest skills, communication and cooperation to improve how we treat one another. It's a big goal. Here we go. And now, asking you all to spread the words that corporations are not persons, I'm Rich Evers. And my partner in crime, the savage philosopher and middle finger of the gods, Daniele Bolelli. As we invite you to lower the lights, Batten down the hatches and prepare to open your mind for the Drunken Dows podcast begins now. Welcome back, everybody. Another fine episode of the Drunken Dows podcast, episode 228 on a nice sort of grayish day. Cool weather. It's sort of like it's November in Ojai. I like it. I like, I it like gloomy weather sometimes. I didn't like it in Milan when gloomy weather lasts for six months straight, but I do like it in Southern California where it's the exception more than the rule. Nasty rumor of some rain this evening. So I would be lots be... of folks out here naked in the rain, jumping around, just going, why does the water fall from the sky? Yeah, because it's, yeah, drought sucks. So any rain is welcome unless it happens all at once, all the rain for the year, then it's not so fun. But before we get going, let's say a few thank yous. Uh, thank you to Sure Design for having been cool to us forever. So if you are in need of t-shirts, check out the Sure Design website. They have some of the best, softest and coolest. Shout out to Grassland Beef. By the way, we do not get paid for from these guys or anything. They've just been nice to us. They gave us good meat more than once. A bunch of times, actually. So it's uh, we like them. They are sweet. Check them out. If you are thinking of going grocery shopping, you can check out grasslandbeef.com. And um, if you buy something from them, tell them that you got it through us. It's always appreciated. Maybe we get to eat steak again sometime. Mm. <laughs> that would be sweet. You put the T-bone next to my pinto beans. Yes, that would be nice. <laughs> um, shout out also to... Uh, Paloma Verde CBD. Mm. That is again Paloma. That's P A L O M A Verde. It's like the color green in Italian. V E R D E and CBD.com for a whole bunch of CBD products. They even have legally it's allowed a minimum amount of THC. So they do have some gummies that have like a little bit of THC in there. I don't know how the law works or anything, but that's what I've been told. So check out their site. Uh, you actually do get a discount code. Uh, the code is TAO, T-A-O. I forgot how much the discount is, but it was fairly significant. So 
If you are considering uh, CBD or even some gummies with a little THD, check out Paloma Verde CBD and the code is TAO, T-A-O. What else shall we say? Um, please use our Amazon link if you shop on Amazon. Uh, all seven of you who have been using it, we are deeply grateful to you. That's always sweet. <laughs> the guys who have been sending me wines in the past. I was wondering if they had been disqualified no, as well. I haven't talked to them in a while, but you know they're always appreciated. Um, sellers. And materawines.com, both of them make incredible wines. So anytime they have been kind enough to share them with me, I've been very thrilled. Fantastic. And uh, last but not least, let's say thank you to some of the sweet folks who have been donating. Let the pottering begin. So big thank you to Samuele Rudelli, Ed and Carrie O, Jim D'Amico, Joseph Lord, uh, Stephen Rados, Donald Chip Witten, Lane Raper, Luis Pesquera, Yanni Linnima, Jesse Rantakangas, Austin Stilwell, Clayton Pay, Aaron Weisner. Names that have been repeated for a decade. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, really, uh, really, really. You are the only ones. Yeah, it's fantastic. So I really appreciate those of you guys who support, because as you can tell from the list of names, it's not an insanely long list of names. So anyone who gets out, goes out of their way and parts with some of their other money to keep us on the air is insanely appreciated. If you want to join this brave band of heroes, paypal.me forward slash dbolelli paypal.me forward slash dbolelli or you can just paypal at my email address, so which... Thank you guys, everybody, if you don't, B-O-D-H-I-1974. And yes, I'm still at yahoo.com. And I just want to give a quick shout out to Benjamin Errett and Richard Kern. You guys know what you did. And you are the only ones. Proud Papa says thank you very much to you both. So impressive and depressing at the same time. But <laughs> thank you so much and it is truly appreciated. Well, time for the episode. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, to start things off on a happy note, did you see about the LA City Council? Oh, yes. Couldn't happen to a nicer bunch of scumbags. If you guys don't know what we're talking about, uh, um, by the time we release this, this is probably going to be two, three weeks old news. And we're not talking about it because it's news. We're talking about it because of something else that will be related to it. But... Basically, what happened is uh, several members of the LA City Council were recorded and the tape was leaked of these people making horrendously racist comments. The story, as they would say in Reservation Dogs, it is where the plot thickens. (laughs) Um, Everybody in the conversation involved is Latino. The lady who made the most atrocious of the comments was, I think, the president of the city council. Yep. And uh, she's Latina, and she's primarily talking crap about black people, which is bad enough in itself in the idea that, you know, ethnic minorities versus ethnic minorities kind of racism. But it is where it gets even more interesting. She took mad shit about... Drum roll, children. That, which is bad. Oh. But she took mad shit about 
Mexican-Americans. And she's Mexican-American, but wait, there's a distinction because she's talking about those Mexican-Americans from Oaxaca area who are more indigenous, who are darker, and in their own words are short, brown, and ugly. Yep. And, uh, and that's where you realize that the whole racism thing is so much more complicated than initially advertised. Yep. This is a lady that, you know, in the, in the conversation they were talking about participating in the Martin Luther King parade. Uh, it's a lady who's like putting all the right uh, badges on to make it look like she's progressive in so many ways. And racist as hell against other ethnic groups, including her own, because she doesn't see it that way. Like a bunch of people in Mexico is like, if I'm lighter skinned and they are darker skinned, I guess we're all Mexicans, but not really, because you guys are below there somewhere. Yeah, there are terms for all of it, too. I don't know how horrific it is. Pisos is what I used to hear. Yeah, and it was up. like that very sort of designation. Oh, well, we don't hang out with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah man. I mean, if you got three people in a group, two of them are going to gang up on the other and... No, and that's a funny thing because if you look at her, I, you see her picture. Other than the fact that she looks like an awful, awful human being just yep. by looking at her, oh, no. but there's not a happy. That's not a happy person. No, Canelo is white as snow, and he's Mexican for real. But he's obviously, you know, there's Mexican like a hundred percent Spanish descent or something like that, and then there's pretty much everyone else, which is a mix of uh, indigenous, uh, Spanish, black, a whole mix of those things, right? And you look at her, and she obviously has indigenous blood. She's not super dark skin, but you know nobody would mistake her for a northern European. Nope. And uh, and she's talking mad shit about people who have uh, just percentage-wise more indigenous blood than she does. And you're just like, wow. There's no. I mean, is that just genetics brought down from the first visitors that? You know, they hated everybody that was here, but they definitely interacted with them enough to create new humans. Is that something that comes down well, through and the think, ages? Yeah, I think what happens in Latin America is that a lot of it becomes, um, there's like a pyramid of society that was very tied to race, where there was the idea that, you know, directly from Spain, Spaniard is at the top entirely spanish blood but born in the new country slightly below and then you know completely indigenous or completely african at the bottom and everything in between those is how much of each you have do you look uh, which is something that even i mean i can't even tell you how many students have had over time coming from latin america different parts of latin america who tell me oh man it's crazy it's like most people don't even realize that we're doing it but you say they would say in my family if uh, some kids just because of the genetic mix with same exact parents and everything some kids are way lighter skinned than others and uh, grandmas pick them up and they're like this is so beautiful and and then there's also you yeah you're cute i love you whatever wow but there's a very clear favoritism for lighter skin because they know that it's gonna be an easier life they know that it's gonna be more doors are gonna be open and so even again not even against another people even within your family members Lighter skinned is a passport to better things. Mind blowing. Yeah, and uh, and same thing happen. I think anywhere where there's that connection between uh, 
between uh, social class and skin color. And <laughs> it is what it is, you know. Some of it, of course, a lot of it is from, col- in these cases, straight up from colonization. Yeah. There are places that is not necessarily from colonization. Like uh, Savannah, for example, she's very dark-skinned Cambodian. And there are many Cambodians who are not nearly as dark-skinned. And they tend, and there's a clear class difference there. Where also, you know, even if you are dark skinned, but you spend all your time indoor, your skin is gonna lighten up. So then, and why you spend so much time indoor? Because you probably have a job that allow you not to work in the fields. If you are working in the fields and they are dark as hell, that means you are a peasant. So lower class. So there's, it's not just a race thing. It's a race and class crossing with each other. And, uh, but yeah, reading those news last few days, I was like, holy hell, this is it's on another level. What the hell's wrong with us? Yeah. Cats and dogs don't seem to mind. You know, that's actually one thing that I want to, I feel awfully unprepared to do so because it's such a big theme and I'm going to fuck it up because I'm not going to, I know already that I'm not going to be able to do as good a job as I would like to because this is very deep. But I would love to do a History on Fire episode that's exactly about the concept of we versus them in history. Because it applies in everything, right? It's like, in order to do awful things to other human beings, it helps not to see them as legit, as somebody that you could have, uh, that you could relate to, that you can have compassion for, that you can have empathy for. Because, of course, it's harder to yeah, do terrible that won't, things that won't to. Work. But cockroaches. Right. So if you can instead, whether it leads to as a precursor to genocide, whether it's a precursor to enslaving people, whether it's a precursor to whatever horrible things people have done throughout history to one another, seeing them as something other than humans deserving compassion helps a lot. Get the job done. And it's alive and well in today's date and time. And we do it with everything, you know. The distinction could be based on social classes. Oh, those guys don't really count because they are from that other thing. Or it can be based on skin color, based on religion, of course, based on nationality, based on, you know, you can run through the game. I mean, hell, there are probably soccer fans in Italy who are like, those guys who wear those other colors are a whole other thing. They don't count. <laughs> and... I don't know, my guess is that the origin is we are used to living in small communities. So you are used to the fact that those, the inside of the community, you have love and care for. Outside, whole different business. And not having made the switch to the fact that we don't live like that anymore mm, creates some problems, to put it mildly. That makes sense. I don't know. Makes it more insurmountable than ever. Yeah, I, and that's where I think is. Um, I'm a huge fan of not thinking in terms of uh, one of. Anytime I say these words about that, Isabella, I just start rolling on the floor laughing because it's one of the many words that I pronounce even worse than average. What's the category? Exactly. Thank you, my man. <laughs> I like not to think in categories that are too... um, I like to deal with people as individuals, not as... And even like when I do History on Fire, I like covering stories that show you 
people from the same ethnic group who behave in a radically different way because it reminds you that at the end of the day, people can be influenced by their culture, we all are, but how you choose to act on it, how you choose to... The individual plays a role. You know, you're not just uh, the download of your culture is placed in your brain and you replicate it. We also, as individuals, then make choices about it. No. Um, the one that I'm preparing right now for History on Fire is about the first British colonist in North America. And you have Plymouth Rock on one end, you know, freaky Puritans who are um, not the last folks you want to hang out with. And then you have Thomas Morton who started Marymount Settlement and they are having a blast, having parties with natives, freedom of religion, abolish indentured servitude. Yeah. And they are all British. They are all even Christian. Even Morton was in his own weird way somewhat Christian. But couldn't be any more different, you know. Or the This seems like a missed opportunity. Very much so. Or like the story a la Gonzalo Guerrero, like the one that I told in the Conquest of Mexico story, you know, Spaniards who all get captured by the Maya, enslaved by the Maya. One can't wait to get out. The other ones become friendly with them. They adopt him into the tribe, marries a high-status woman, has kids, perfectly happy with them. They're both Spaniards, but the way they act, it's night and day from each other. And I think it's important to remember all this stuff because so often people fall back to thinking in terms of categories. And... Um, I mean, hell, like the other day I saw somebody talking on Facebook about stuff and they were talking, it was a history group too, and they were talking about uh, the atomic bomb. Okay. And they were like, well, they deserve it. It was payback for what they did to Pearl Harbor. And to me it's like, the eight-year-old kid was playing with his toys in a room in Nagasaki, minding his business, getting obliterated. He did nothing at Pearl Harbor. He wasn't there shooting at anybody. He just happened to have the bad luck to belong to the same nation. Now, if you tell me that you want to make a rationale for the atomic bomb based on, you know, a land invasion of Japan would have led to hire that cup. We can, those are arguments that one could have, and you can agree or disagree, but there's a discussion to be had. Yep. The ones that it's payback because they did that, they didn't do shit. Out of the 70,000 people killed, I forget if it was Hiroshima or Nagasaki, the other one I think was 40,000 right away, and then many more in the years to come. How many were directly involved with Pearl Harbor? How many were indirectly involved with Pearl Harbor? You know, it's like, there are a bunch of civilians who are not any different from you that if somebody decided the president of your country is an asshole, they bomb you. How does that have to do with anything, you know? So that's where I find it super dangerous, that mindset. Um, because it's at the roots of all the bullshit that we deal with. It's at the roots of all the racism. It's at the roots of all, uh, you know, it's like deal with people as that individual in front of me with their idiosyncrasies with they do something messed up okay that person pays for it not everyone else who has the same skin color or come from the same nation the hell is that you know and seems all the more dangerous with uh putin getting crazy at these yeah. moments and surely he's got to think about it every night totally we could fix this in a hurry i mean how many russians are fleeing russia right now 
because their choices get to be sent at the front having to shoot at people that they have nothing against and they couldn't care less about yeah. or uh, or dealing with Putin repression, you know? It's like, it's... It's funny being from the generations where that is always dangled over our heads. Mm -hmm. And I know Cold War time, they used to rev it up quite a bit, but it's been sitting there the whole time. Mm -hmm. And all it takes is one fool, oh, one yeah. bomb. I mean, the fact that one of these backpack nukes has ever, never been snuck in somewhere. Yeah. I mean, the level of, I don't know, just to keep that from happening, the people that are up day and night spying on everybody to make sure that doesn't happen is... I think, though, there was that, um, I don't know if you remember when the IRA tried to bomb Margaret Thatcher. And they killed the uh, and, killed a couple other folks instead. They got the hotel, but they missed yeah, her. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And, um, and afterwards, uh, they sent her a message that said, well, good for you, but you, you need to get lucky every single time. We only need to get lucky once. And unfortunately, when it comes to nuclear war, is like that. You know, it's like the near misses situation where it leads there. Yeah. You can have a 99% success rate of avoiding it, and that wouldn't be good enough. No. You know, it's unfortunately it's one of the things where the odds are not great because you need to have a 100% success rate from here to forever, which is a little problematic. It's just pathetic where we have put ourselves. It just doesn't seem there's any way to untwine it, man. This is, the screws are being tightened. That's how I was thinking about the conversation we had in the previous episode about sort of that more nuanced Taoist thinking. Yeah. I'm like, how do you make that uh, a thing? How do you make that quote unquote pop where it hits on a mass level where somebody will respond to things like they deserve it everybody will laugh at them because it's like there's no they the mass that's not the same people or you know where those kind of ultra one-sided solutions get to be laughed out of the room because everybody understands that reality is a bit more complex and they are behaving like a dumb kid you know and uh, I'm I'm not even asking it as a rhetorical question. I'm really thinking it through to like, how can we make that more of a thing where it's, uh, because the concepts are not that hard, you know, you, you can go through them fairly fast and they make a tremendous difference. In, if you really implement those concepts, it made a tremendous difference in the way you're going to relate to the world, the way you're going to approach problem solving. No. And... Because I think that's like what we were talking about last time, the course of partial solutions. You know, you, you, you find something that's partially true. You start avoiding everything else that's true about that debate. You zero in on the part you like. You take it to the extreme. You forget that there are other sides to that debate. And before you know it, you got a bunch of people screaming your slogans and waving your flag. And ultimately, you're not going to bring any good solution to the table in that way yep. because you are not tackling the problem as a whole you are only addressing one aspect of it and i'm really intrigued with how how we change that paradigm because it's not you don't need to be a genius to figure it out you know these are concepts that i think uh, if you sit down with somebody and you walk through them in a friendly atmosphere most people will get it 
Um, the question is how do we make it popular enough and ingrained enough that it start overriding the bullshit black and white mentality, the binary thinking we have been stuck with? No, because everybody's so programmed to be reactionary to, no, oh, that's not what I think. Yep, yep, yep. And yep. at that point, it's all shut down. Completely, completely. I think, I mean, the whole notion of starting in the middle and work your way out has got to be the only way to do it because the fringes will never change. Mm-hmm. But from the center out, you could get enough people that might be sensible enough to see that we're not that far apart. We might not agree on person A or person B, but that doesn't really matter. And that's where I think this up. Also, what's interesting about it is that whereas uh, um, certain specific solution apply to that one problem and nothing else, this is a different way of thinking, and it applies to all things. Whether you're talking world politics at the highest level or whether you're talking how you raise your kids or how... Because it boils down in some way to being able to relate to other human beings and tackling an issue from 360 degrees rather than just from your own particular perspective that you want to impose and nothing else. A case in point, bunch of parents get into arguments with their kids especially when they become teenagers or something, because kids want more freedom and parents are more emphasizing safety. And no, you need to stick by the rules because they will keep you safe. Now, the thing is, if you look at it, both sides make perfect sense. Yep. Safety is essential and so is freedom. So, but what happens is one side will start only seeing their side of the argument. I need to have more time and freedom and things for myself totally legitimate if you combine it with the need to also not be a dumbass and be safe. Vice versa, the safety em emphasis is totally legitimate, but not if you start squashing some kids' freedom and making them feel, because otherwise you free them by locking them up in jail. You know, that's not... That's not <laughs> You're going to end up there one way or the other. Yeah, so. it's like, now they are safe, but it's like, well, that's great, but that's not... So that dichotomy seems to be in just about everything, you know, where to me is like, sitting down and figuring out what is that we both want how do we make sure that what you're suggesting which is a legitimate point and what i'm suggesting which is a legitimate point how do we get both of those goals and so many discussions that we have at every level need to be approached in that fashion how do we make you happy and how do we make me happy like good sex Right? It's like if you're doing it where only one person is getting away feeling good, it's not a good, uh, those are no. not good dynamics. Right? So apply that to everything else, you know, because there are, like, in some way, it's like who we are as humans at the roots is based, like, if, why are we successful as humans on this planet? In that sense, perhaps overly successful considering how we're doing, but like, a lot of it is cooperation. Humans are wimpy little creature when you look at it from we're not fast, we are not fearsome predator, we don't have clothes, we are barely, well, I have enough body hair for six people, but most Hell people yeah. do not. And we'll, they, we'll be putting that poster, you don't poster have, up soon. <laughs> you don't have a fork to prevent it. You know, physically we're crap, really, when you compare to most other serious predators. But and, we're a bit clever. And they, how we went about it is not one human alone is cooperation yep. is communication and cooperation 
would be nice to take it to the next level, not just get to the place where you are conquering the savannas and now you have control over the earth, but actually making it so that we can make life better for everybody. It's so difficult. I saw just a few days ago, some brave soul went down deep into Arkansas. To Georgia and the devil. And no, the that was a, that's a different story. Yes, yeah. okay. And I hear, the, I hear the, the devil was just setting him up. I see. He let him win that one yeah. so he could get confidence, and then when he snatched it from Catch him, it really destroyed Yeah, that's a good trick. No, this uh, fella, white kid, standing on the streets somewhere deep in Arkansas with a Black Lives Matter poster. Mm-hmm. And the hell that rained down on him, which mm-hmm. he recorded in depth. I'm sure. What's the solution for people that are parked in that? Just like our friends on the LA City Council. Right. That seems yeah. insurmountable, and I don't want to be that way. But when I saw that, I was like, wow, there's not any change in these folks' minds. Or even if there was, you might be able to change 12% of them, maybe. But indoctrinated. That's hard. All the way through their society, that's the way they feel. I love to read. I always saw the headlines on this story. I never really read in depth like how we went about it. Remember the story of the black guy who joined KKK meetings yes. and ended up luring a bunch of people away from that through yep. just his ability to interact with them? Obviously, it's a fantastic headline. I would like to understand now because exactly what you're saying, sometimes you talk to people and you're like, there's no way in hell you can reel this back. And, you know, by the time you, if he was able to reel back some people in the KKK, that's some serious skill. It's definitely impressive. So, he must have been charismatic in an awesome way. For sure, but I'm curious, you know. I'm curious to, I should read more on that story because that seems to offer precisely the key to what we are talking about. But I think that's required. That's going to be some fellas that we're never completely into it and we're kind of going along with it, but maybe they didn't actually feel that way. So you could peel those guys off. But that's a lot of people. Because, yeah. I mean, if you think about, like, the Holocaust, how many hardcore committed Nazis who wanted to wipe out all Jews, they were, but not the majority of the population. The majority of the population that went along with it are precisely these kind of guys that you can try to reel back from the edge. They just didn't want to get shot themselves. Right. So it's, I don't know, it's interesting. It'd be something we figure it out right now. And three minutes later, that was it. The solution in place. Yes. Installed. And the nukes flew that night. I mean, I think the goal is clear. I think then the step, there are two steps there. One in terms of communication, how to make it uh, sexy enough, pop enough, something that people can grasp quickly and jump on because it feels bright and good. And also specific techniques to apply it, not just as a principle, but in like specific scenarios. How do you deal with it? I was talking with somebody, eh, for the sake of respect for privacy, I won't mention name because I'm not sure. But I was having this sweet, supremely good person, right? I like the guy. But clearly in this case, and I think he knew it, he was making a mistake. And we see it how he plays out. He was telling me that he has a teenage daughter and he's kind of edgy around her. Because she says uh, when she's awesome, she's fantastic. She's the sweetest person on the planet. But their moods are all over the place. And when she's not, I'm kind of like afraid to do anything that's going to set her off and piss her off, right? 
And I was like, I think that's an experience that a lot of people, you know, teenagers get flooded with hormones everywhere. They are they are struggling because they are dealing with these mood swings that they can't even understand why the hell they are happening to them. And it's a lot for sure. So my response was, what do you think your daughter needs? Uh, more than what do you what do you think is a good start? But even then, what does she say about her moods and uh, what you could do to help her? And he had a moment where he was like, because uh, that didn't come never up. Never even considered it. Not really. He was just like, oh, that is a good point. I should have that conversation with her. Rather than just be, and I don't think that's the way he was, but the way some parents are, which is like, why are you so moody and annoying? Quit it. Which is like, yeah, that always works. Keep going down that path because that creates great <laughs> communication. Or baby them, or ignore it, or hope that it goes away on its own, which it may, but, you know, it may take a while. Just, and I think that's a key, because what happens when people deal with somebody who is going through a hard time like that? They usually rush to offer solutions of like, oh, you should do this and this. You should view it this way. Oh, you're taking it the wrong way. You shouldn't take it that way. You should. And half of the time, the guard goes up right away. Because you feel they are being attacked. You feel that even if it comes from a good place, you feel they are being criticized. That somebody's telling you, I know better than you do. Just do what I tell you to. Nobody likes to hear that shit, nope. right? So people tense up and you're like, what? I was just trying to help. Why are you being so weird? And communication goes down the drain, right? Because you come from a good place. You're trying to help, but you're doing it by being overly forceful. They get defensive and it goes to help. You know, I know a lot of people who communicate like that. Sweet. Half of the time what they say is actually the right answer. Nobody's ever going to hear it because they come out too hard, too aggressive in an almost bossy kind of way. You know, So even though you do have a good point, nobody will listen. So to me, then that becomes the question. is sitting with somebody, letting them feel loved, that you are there to do whatever they need. But you ask them, what do you think would help? How can I help? Because all I want to do is help you out. Just, I don't have an agenda. Just want to see you happy. What do you think could be? And so now the defenses go down because there is no, you're not trying to push an agenda. Now there's a conversation. Now it's like, oh, this is what I'm feeling, but I honestly don't know what to do about it. It's like, I don't know either, but tell me more about it. And the more you work it through, the more they come from a place of empowerment because now they get to think about what would work for them. Nobody's imposing it on them. You show that you care. You show that you are involved in this. You can make suggestions by you are listening to them. Boom. The whole dynamics have changed, right? It doesn't mean you are going to immediately find the perfect solution, but the vibe in the room has changed completely. Know, it became now there's a point of contact where you are a team and you are working together and there's care and affection. Like, he's at one of those moments for two weeks, man. She was in a shitty mood from outer space, just and she clearly was the first one suffering from it. And she made sure that everyone else around did too. Got to suffer as well. It, well, you know, <laughs> not being mean about it, but yeah. their energy was really unpleasant to be around, you know. And 
and you know on one level could be like god damn teenager can you get over it but at the same time no she's suffering she doesn't want to be that way she's dealing with shit that she can't handle and she's having a hard time and i you know i tried making suggestions here and there nothing was really working and so one day i just she got out of school she was with my mom and i called her and i told her is i you know she was like oh what do you need what do i need to do what you know she was expecting some and i was like no 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 i'm just calling you to tell you you are adored i love you so much i'm really sorry that you're having a hard time uh don't worry about it because between you and i are gonna sit together in one way or another we figure things out to make things better for you and i it sucks that you're suffering now but i know you're awesome and we'll figure something out right so i had no solution whatsoever I didn't have a solution. I just had a vibe that said, I'm here for anything you need. Uh, I adore you and I think highly of you. And their energy changed 30% like that. Didn't solve all the problems because of course she still has the moons or she still has whatever she was dealing with. But her energy changed this much already because now again, we're a team. Now we are like, I'm not trying to push my partial solution on her. I'm just embracing the whole thing, but primarily who she is, right? It's always nice to have somebody on your side. It helps. It helps a lot. But often the way, and I do the same shit, okay? So right now I'm telling a success story, but there are just as many where I fuck it up, right? Sure. That's easy What to do. do most of us do? We, we think that we help by offering what we think is the perfect solution. Now, Let's assume the best scenario where you do have the perfect solution. Never mind if you're fucking it up, but where you do think that what you're saying is the best thing. Usually rushing to shove it down somebody's throat is not the way to do it. You know, it's not the way it's going to be received and internalized because you need to take them by the hand and work with them to help them find a solution. Making suggestions, maybe guiding along, but you cannot take it for you find a solution for somebody else and drop it in their lap it's not something that they mature from the inside it's not something that comes from them you will feel foreign you will not be a real longer it's like okay you gave me a fish today that's nice still don't know how to fish i'll still starve tomorrow it's better to give a fish than nothing but in many cases there will be a fuck you i want meat kind of thing you know i don't want that's not what i want that's not the solution i'm looking for so got me thinking because the fact that somebody like my initial example that's so smart and so caring and a good person wasn't even thinking that that would be a way to deal with his daughter i was like damn that's interesting because he's not a dumb person he's not a somebody who's who has it and didn't think what the obvious thing is is to work with them figure it out with them let them know that you are there for them you know and then work on a solution together i think that's that has a lot to do with uh, this process though it would be good to figure it out like to really have a blueprint of like rather than having anecdotal examples and little intuitions like really work through this mentally where it's like there's a plan to show somebody first to do it ourselves and then to show somebody else how to do it. Doesn't it make it more difficult though in this situation, what her plans are and what he wants are 
have nothing to do with each other. If she wants to go out and party with the girls, he doesn't want her to. I mean, those troubles just didn't build up at once. It was over time that I'm sure, over and over again, and I'm sure the you do it my way stuff comes out every time. But once you get down a certain thickness of the walls being built, Mm -hmm. it just has to make it that much easier. I'm sure it had to be refreshing for her to hear that he did want to hear what her thoughts were. But man, once it's tangled, that just makes it even harder. I mean, when you have a history, it's way harder. Yeah. It goes two ways, right? When you have a history that you have built a rapport where you are a trustworthy person, people are going to cut you more slack and you may come across a little bossy sometime and they will still listen to you without bringing up their defenses because you build trust. Right. Vice versa, when you have a history of bad vibes being repeated over and over again, it's going to be harder. There's no argument. Or failed promises. Yep. That's why in in any relationships, think your moves three times before you act. Because once you put it out there, there's no taking it back. I mean, you can and you'll make up, but, but there is in, you planted the seed in somebody's memory of something unpleasant, of a bad discussion, of a bad tone you took with them, or something where they felt shitty about you. You can only do it so many times before something grows inside of them regarding how they feel about you. you know? So it's, uh, it's definitely a delicate game. It's baffling. We got 8 billion people to sort through. Yeah. All difficult ones with their own idiosyncrasies, with their own communication style, with their own. That's why yeah, this stuff, as hard as it is, is still at the individual level. Is it's child's play compared to when you try to apply it on a higher oh, yeah. when Just, you involve a lot of people. Oh my God! Can you imagine? There's always thirty different organizations that will be against you, even with a nice idea. Yep. And those are like dug into craziness. Mm-hmm. Of course, they don't see themselves as crazy. Of course. But everybody else does. (laughs) Well, and then I think when it gets to a bigger level, you have an issue of uh, people get reinforced. Like, again, if you you take an argument and you take a partial truth of that argument, you're going to have a bunch of people who respond to that particular card you're playing and will reward you for it. Yep. So now you're going to hammer down even harder on that path. Still, when you try to talk about something else, nobody responds. So that will become your thing. And it becomes progressively more and more extreme until until you become a character caricature essentially. But it's uh, it's rewarded as a result of like what people uh, the way people respond to you, you know? and that's how a lot of politicians operate. You know, you you may have a more complex view of the world, but you get rewarded every time you hit that one note, so that before you know it, that becomes all of you way more extreme. And uh, and that's the game. Terrible. Yep, 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 yep. It's um. So I think that's the big question. How do you make a more? And I don't. Okay, that's the problem right here. The fact that I'm even struggling to find the right words to define it. When I was about to say nuanced thinking, eh, yeah, sure, that helps. That's not the only thing. How do you make this thing that we're talking about that I can't quite put a label on, how do you make that easier to communicate, more popular, more accessible, more something that you can teach to somebody else, more something that can be replicated, you know? It sounds fantastic, but when you have everybody set on one side or the other, this this cosmic center 
that everybody could agree on could never even mm-hmm. arrive. And the funny thing is that those are the only solutions that actually are real solutions. Yeah. Because in most arguments, you know, if you are locked with two opposite poles fighting one another, the reality is that unless you are just waging a genocidal campaign to completely eliminate one side, you are always going to be fighting the same battle over and over and over 50 million times. So you can only do it if you end up creating a solution that works for every side. Um, Maybe for some side it's not their ideal, but they can live with it. If they can live with it, you're back to fighting the same battle over and over, you know? And it's... Talk about an art, right? Uh, finding solutions that satisfy everyone in a room. Wow. That, that's, that would be a magic skill. But that's kind of what we did as human beings in small tribes. Small tribes hardly ever operated with the idea that majority rule or that you forget the idea that one person make the decision for everybody as tribal chief that cracked the whip but even majority rule wasn't it you know the idea was we talk until everybody can live with that decision or somebody splits or if we can't we shake hands wish each other good luck and we split into different tribes um but that has been the human approach forever. You know, it's like you need to make sure you don't take care of part of the tribe. You need to take care of the entire community. Uh, you need to make sure that everybody involved is feeling okay with it. See, that sounds fantastic. And I would agree with all that. But there's so many folks that don't give a fuck one. Of course. Of course. About everybody else. Of course. And it's usually the ones that are doing the best. And I think that actually is somewhat related to something that I had as a discussion with Izzy recently regarding Izzy is fully aware that she's very judgmental. Sadly, that is a family tradition because <laughs> I know something about it, my dad too, and so on and so forth. So I know where she learned it and I'm not proud, but I get it. And in many cases, you know, she... She's not happy about it, but in most cases she feels she's right about her judgment, which makes it paradoxical even worse if no. you are, because no, it's like, setting. if you're wrong, you can show you, no, damas, the, what your, your view of reality is incorrect. But if you're actually nailing it, and yeah, those things that you see in these other people are all there, you're right. This person is not the smartest. This other one, the way they make choices is oh, a disaster that make everyone else <laughs> miserable. And yeah, you're correct about all that stuff. But there's the so what, right? You know, it's like telling somebody then don't be judgmental, especially when what your view of reality is actually reflective of reality is a bit of a problem. So to me, it's kind of important to reframe it where you do call shit shit. You acknowledge that some people, like exactly what you're saying, some people, it looks impossible to have a dialogue with because they are flexible like the Berlin Wall and they are just, you know, they're just nothing but hatred and anger and shit and so on. So it's like, and so I think it's important to have um, precisely the more you are going to be the kind of person who try to look for a diplomatic solution, who try to be kind and gentle and try to not react immediately in anger and closing and in a fuck you kind of way, the stronger you need to be, right? Because it's like, Otherwise, you're being flexible. Everyone else in the room feels it is weakness. 
you know, everyone else, and they don't take it seriously at that point because right. it feels like, well, of course you are saying that is because you have no spine, and that's why. <laughs> so that ability to hold two seemingly contradictory qualities at the same time to be really tough, really and flexible simultaneously, and super flexible and kind. But if people cross a line, you do check them. You know, there's a line that you don't let slide, but at the same time you are also ready to bring it back to a place of kindness, openness, dialogue, and everything else. After you smack them real good for running their mouth. Sometimes that's what's necessary, right? Sometimes there's, uh, and that's why it's an interesting, where exactly you draw the line in each situation is interesting, is how many times do you give this person one more chance? And in many cases, maybe by cutting it too soon, you screwed up. You could have done something that would have led to a better result. In some cases, you screw up by letting it go too long, and you need to check the situation in a harsher kind of way. And uh, that's a delicate judgment call, to say the least. Wow. This is, this is a Gordian knot for sure. But that's life. Yeah, right? that's it really of, is. Uh, I guess it begins, like we've always said, I mean, that cluster around you needs to be the first group that you get mm-hmm. at least on the same page enough where we're at least willing to go to the movies together or something or can go out to eat and, and keep it pleasant. Yeah. But then your drunk uncle shows up for Thanksgiving and now you, that next step out becomes more difficult. Right, but even then, like, right, there are the different reactions. Maybe the drunk uncle, if you grab him with a six-pack and go like, hey, go look at the fireworks with me and you get them to lay on the grass and start telling about their lives and what, maybe it works out, yeah. you know? Maybe it doesn't. <laughs> so that's where you need to... But you know, I think we are... The general tendency is to react aggressively more than not. So to try a different approach, to try a bit of a kinder approach first and then... Um, Sometimes it's diversion, right? Like if I have something to say to somebody, but I know they are not going to take it well, half of the time I don't volunteer my opinion. I ask for help, Mm. even if I think the problem is with them and not with me. Because the reality is that maybe it's because of their decisions, but maybe there's something either that I can relate about what they are going through or maybe, but I'm going to make it my thing where they have to help me. He's like, hey, can you give me an advice on this? Because I'm struggling with this thing. And then I see the same thing with you. And uh, what do you think? Because I f- And suddenly now we are having a conversation about their thing. Because it's like, what do you think is the best strategy? Does that work for you? Like when you react that way to people, do people respond well? And they're like, no, not that much. It's like, oh, okay. So what else do you think we could do to help me? Yeah. And it's not totally a lie because I can learn something from that dialogue, even though initially I'm doing it because they are crossing a line that should not be crossed, right? But again, people have an easier time talking to you in that fashion than if you just come up to them and say, all right, I'm fucked, why are you doing this? (laughs) Or, hey, that doesn't work, you should do A, B, and C. And, And a lot of it becomes little psychological tricks where you learn it feels like it feels like you're manipulating people but not in a bad way because you're not trying to get them to do something that's to your advantage you're trying to get them to do something that's to their advantage but the manipulation comes in you realizing look if there are 10 notes i can play and they are gonna respond respond really badly to eight of them and one not so much 
how about I don't play any of those eight? Maybe I'll skip the ninth. Let's go on number 10 and see how we can continue the dialogue from there. You know, He's not being fake. He's just realizing there are a bunch of doors that are closed, one that is open. Let me try to go through that one instead. You know? But I'm endlessly fascinated by how these games work because so much of it is a strategy, so much of it is psychology, so much of it is empathy but played in a real time with immediate consequences and immediate feedback and you know sometimes you have like ah this is gonna work it's awesome and you go down that path and it's like oh that did not work i like that note least of all of them how yes. did you know to pick that one let me backtrack a little you know? oh man but it's complicated but at least when it comes to people close to you it's it's fun too it's because you discover things, so now you can flow together in a way that's much better than the way you were, you were acting before. Yeah, and if you have that little central core humming along nicely, it's going to make everything better. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just deep. I'm sitting here going, duh, because I can't, I can grasp it, but I don't see it working. I bet some stuff that I think frustrates me about this is the fact that I can smell it I can touch it I can see it in action even I can even apply it sometimes yeah. I cannot figure out a way to extrapolate it and make it something that is easily digestible is easily replicated is easily taught to somebody else yeah. who then can apply it which is the only way that you're going to have an impact on a bigger level so that's kind of the thing I'm struggling with is figuring out how to make the jump from something that I use in my life and it works most of the time when I don't fuck it up to something that I can actually help other people with so that they can help their own lives and other people around them. What would you think the success rate would have to be for it to be something that 70%? You know, I mean, if you let's say right. that this genius notion turned into something you could apply pretty readily, but it would have to be successful. Definitely. And I think part of it is that it's not a one-time thing. Like, you know, you can have, uh, yeah. you can go to your teenage daughter and say, hey, sweetie, I got your back. What do you think? And they don't respond well. I mean, in this case, aside for the parent-kid one, like think about it in relationships. So often you have two ni perfectly nice human beings, but due to miscommunications, that's something that festering anger has grown in them where no. there's they are likely to take something wrong at a much higher percentage than if they were on a clean slate. Of course. And then you're DEFCON 5 and don't even know what you did. Yep. And you push that button and suddenly it's not just this one thing, it's the 500 I've before. I've been thinking that. about for seven years. Exactly. And it's hard. Yeah. That's why in some cases you almost... In some cases, you got to know where it's enough, right? Yeah, where it's time to, to say, look, you are a good person, I'm a good person, but we're not being good to one another. Let's call it, and that's it. Now, of course, with your kids, you can't do that. You know, it doesn't work that way. You don't have the option to tap out and say, no, I, I don't really want to be your parent anymore. I don't really, I mean, you can, I guess, but it's fucked up. You'll you find some new ones if you like. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, ah, you have eight kids. You're just the annoying one. Oh, <laughs> oh my God, we would do that to themselves. Right. So, um, yeah, man, especially when there's, uh, I, and that's why I think I like really 
I try to, with the people that I'm close with, I try as much as possible to make it a daily practice to make them feel ultra love to the point that even in a moment where they are pissed with me, they never have a doubt about the fact that I really deeply love them, that I care, that I would do anything for them, that kind of thing. Because yeah. then it makes those moments a little easier because they will remember that, hey, there's all this track record behind of them doing this, that, and the other for me. And it helps. But yeah, man, it's it's not an easy game, that's for sure. It is a game, though, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. All of this madness. Yep, indeed. <sighs> Okay, ladies and gentlemen, one quick thing I want to throw out there. We have a partnership with magicmind.co. These guys make a product that I've personally tried, work like a charm. I'm inviting you to give it a thought if this is something that could help you. The problem that Magic Mind tackles is really simple to explain. The feeling when there are 24 hours in a day, there are several more to go before it's time to call it a day, and you feel foggy and tired and sluggish, and that's when normally you start down in about two gallons pot of coffee. That's one way to go about it. There are, I think, better ways, and this may be at least worth an experiment for you to see if this is, uh, is as good as advertised, so you don't have to take my word for it. I've tried it for quite a few days in a row before recording this, and you I mean, I felt it on day one. They say wait until day three, day four, until that's when the effects really start kicking in. I felt it on day one, like within minutes of taking it, you definitely get this moment of alertness where seeing seem clearer, sharper, words come faster, that kind of feeling. I had, uh, out of curiosity, because I was like, okay, that's working for me, but who knows? I had my mom try because she was recently complaining of saying, hey man, I don't like this. I'm getting older and I'm noticing in, uh, I'm forgetting things, uh, I'm losing words here and there, and she was a fan. She's actually... the the main reason why we have this established partnership with Magic Mind right now is because she's like, give me my next nose, where is it? <laughs> so clearly worked. So that's the good news. So what is in this magical, mystical compound? We got a lot of stuff and I'm uh, not going to read you the whole thing, but anything from matcha to ashwagandha or however you pronounce it or lion's mane mushrooms cordyceps mushrooms is this natural mental boosting ingredients that should do the trick for you my suggestion is if this fits your needs try it out you get to try we have a discount code that's actually pretty substantial in the first 10 days from when we released this episode you get a 40% discount if you apply to a subscription. You can also just try it as a one-time thing for a 20% discount. And also after 10 days from the first release, it's going to be 20% discount on subscription. So you get anywhere, depending on where you listen to it and the format, between 20 and 40% discounts. The website is www.magicmind.co. So not com, just co forward slash Taoist with the T. Magicmind.co forward slash Taoist will automatically get your discount going. And uh, check it out. And if you guys do, I would love to hear what you think. 
Okay, so radically switching gears. Sweet. Uh, question from Armando that he probably asked months ago and I forgot to look at this document and I just found it now. What? But what? Digital mailbag. <laughs> yes, why not? He's asking me about uh, sort of the mythology that grows into martial arts circles of some of those guys who are either the kind of guy who... I can use my chi to make everyone in the room fall down. And you see all these videos of people, all their students who throw themselves at them and this person flick a finger and they all fall down. Oh, yeah. And so there's the obvious question of how in are they in this game? Like, why are they doing these guys a favor and acting? Or are they actually believing it? And their suggestion is what makes them... Even though physically there's absolutely nothing, they work themselves to a point of belief that if this person flick a, flip a finger, they throw themselves on the floor. They're believing kind of it. Thing. They're totally believing it. I've, I've, haven't you ever seen people in hypnosis? Yeah. That same thing. You know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a steel rod and they'll place them on a damn chair and somebody mm-hmm. can sit on them and they don't bend. Because they are convinced. And those are insanely fascinating about the human ability to convince yourself of the weirdest shit. And when you are convinced, you actually... Oh, yeah. The way you react to things will conform those feelings and beliefs. But even the guys who are maybe not that extreme... I mean, those videos, by the way, are both sad and funny. Like, I don't know if you ever saw, there was a video of this... um, older gentleman who's all like I'm a chi master knocking down the whole room and then uh, he had a terrible idea of accepting a fight with an MMA guy. That smashed him into non-existence? Is exactly in about six seconds. Well he probably had, oh my, my chi and, slipped. And the guy was just looking in complete shock like how could this not work? Because everyone around him has been yes man who convinced him that he had these magical powers. Is this a giant practical joke? And the time when he actually went for it and he got destroyed was just a rough wake-up. So he presented some kind of force block against some gigantic monster that was going to smash him? Bop. And that was that. (laughs) So, yeah, it's... But even guys who are less extreme, like not necessarily the I'll use my chi to knock you all down, but even guys who are a little more just... um, I would do this and that because I practice my techniques on my compliant friend. It's like, well, I mean, how many times has it really worked for you? How many times have you gone against resistance? How many times were you able to apply it under pressure? How many? (laughs) And it's funny how so many people just fall into this self-delusion of... uh, I think several people articulated in various funny ways. I don't remember the exact sentence, but like the idea that the average man in our society is thinking that their fighting skills are so much better than what they actually are. I have seen some on TV, you uh, know, so watch out. Right, exactly. It's like, I train UFC, and it's like, <laughs> okay, good. You have a beer in my hand while I'm doing it. But. Yeah, it's, uh, it's funny. And I think that's always one of the things that I love about martial arts, is that so many discussions can devolve into these um, abstract things, where it's like, well, does it work? Doesn't it? How do we judge it? What's the in martial art? There's no ambiguity, right? You either get knocked out or you're still standing. It's pretty simple. To <laughs> this look has been at, settled you know? for today. It's uh, you can no, but I was right. The fourth time in a row you got KO'd. It's like yeah, you probably weren't. I think we are everybody in the room by now. Is 
it's safe that you weren't right in wow. your theories. <laughs> but that's, I think, one of the things I find refreshing and mentally freeing about martial arts. That when you're rolling, you're just rolling. You know, there's nothing. It's perfect meditations for people who have a hard time sitting down to meditate, you know because it chases all other thoughts out and you're just focused on this one thing and you get immediate feedback on whether what you're doing works or doesn't. <laughs> Oops, that didn't work. And Totally. And it happens a lot. And so you have to constant. It makes you even a little more mellow about your theories because you realize a lot of your plans, most of your plans are not going to work. And then you go, okay, that didn't work. Let me try this other approach. That's a good uh, one you can incorporate to your real life instantly exactly so it's like it forces you to be thinking on your feet and revising your strategy as you go which in some way is very similar to what we are saying in terms of verbal communication that ability to adapt your strategy with each thing that in this case is not your sparring partner is your conversation partner gives you back it's like okay let me tweak this because this approach may not be working let me try this other thing and it's Along with the, the the true disaster, actual miscommunication because they mm -hmm. don't hear you properly. Oh yeah, yep, yep, yep. I mean, we 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 bounced into one the other night. I can't remember what it was, but somebody misheard a syllable the wrong way. And mm -hmm. whoop, yep. Shields up! Like whoa, 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 whoa! You you literally did not hear what I said. And unfortunately, that's where the history you're talking about plays into it, you know, is like both uh, interpersonally, like if the two of you have a certain history, but also just their history, maybe, or yours, depending on what it is. But like, you're, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy because you've gone through that experience enough time that now you see it even when it's not there. And you're just like, ish, you know. Is, uh, last time, actually, you asked me before we started recording about a friend of mine who came to visit when we were recording last time. And um, and I remember him once, like, he grew up in South Central. He has seen a lot of racism in his life, legitimate and real racism. Sure. And I remember once sitting in a restaurant with him and just him getting up and yelling at these ladies who were staring at him. And I'm like, dude, those ladies weren't doing anything. There was no racism there. That's you... Having been on the receiving end 73 times, and now you see it everywhere, included in places where it really does not apply. And what do you do with that, you know? It's it's kind of like, you know, like my mom is, uh, I mean, even my dog is a rescue dog, but he probably was lost for half hour because he's happy and peaceful. But like my mom's dog is a real rescue dog where you see he has some issues here oh, yeah. and there. Man, it's like the other day, what was it like? I think I dropped my phone and the dog was like running 20 million miles an hour in the opposite direction because in his mind is danger, fear, something horrible is about to happen. Run! Because he got traumatized as a puppy, you yeah. know? Bad things happen to him as a puppy and he's like now an old dog and it's still ingrained in there and that's how he perceives reality. And he got cuddled to death all his life he got he's always been treated like a king and treated well and he still can get rid of that conditioning from way back when and that's how he responds to reality loud noises people are all that stuff and is wow our rescue dog died last week that's 
Not a happy tale. Thir- would, Thirteen years. Well, okay. She was. It was. Years. I mean, she been fading for six months, but okay. You know, not eating so much. Yeah. Pretty blind at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Last Friday, she just just curled up and started slowing down, and everybody made it in to say goodbye. I think one of our cats is a cat doula. I mean, a, was staying there. She would hang out and she would watch, and she'd been checking on her for days at this point. We'd literally go and right. check her out. And the time came where everybody was kind of in there, and she did a big stretch, the uh-huh. dog, and just kind of laid her head down. I was like, okay, it's coming now. And the cat came in, and everybody looked over at the cat, and when we looked back, she'd gone. Wow. And that's a story that happens over and over. I've seen it several times myself that wow. they don't want to leave while everybody's hanging around them. Yep. So if it's the sun coming over the mountain or mm-hmm. if it's some sort of disturbance in the hallway. You got distracted. They got that, that moment, and they're just like, I'm out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I don't want to do it in front of you, and I really don't want to leave you, but yeah. I got to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Heavy. Yeah, indeed. So now she's going to support a brand new lemon tree in my backyard. That's as good as it gets. I think so. Yeah. I, I prefer that myself. Give me a nice sequoia seed and put me in a pod underneath it and see you bitches for 2,000 years. That's like, uh, I think it was a line in uh, Walden and uh, Henry David Thoreau who said uh, he was making a point about like uh, pharaohs who build pyramids for, and he was like, can you imagine this? How afraid and self-obsessed this little bastard need to be to put zillion of people to work to build this giant pyramid to house his body so that it can be preserved forever and go to the stars and do this and that yeah and Thoreau was like would have been manlier to let his body get thrown to the dogs and fed to his dogs that would have benefited from it and gonna get you back into the system a lot quicker yeah 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 but uh, think that could ever happen again some pharaoh oh yeah down the road enslaves all the people mind control perhaps the ai will do it to us just for fun i think easy easy yeah. when you look at the stories of most cults they are on a small scale doing that kind of stuff with people willingly doing it for them oh it's wild yeah as i think it's in the jim jones story of johnstown's fame one guy who um his job, I think we mentioned it once before, one of the things he would do was as Jim Jones was ranting and raving in his talks to his people and sometimes they would go into the night and last forever, he would just stand on the side with a cup so that when Jim Jones had to pee, he would just go up there with a cup and Jim Jones would keep talking and pissing the cup that the guy was holding in his hand. I have not so heard that, that story. You never, wow. Yeah. Yes. You got those folks by the balls already. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Literally. So it's Wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I don't know. Maybe we're all brainwashed in some way anyway, <laughs> so there's not any hope. But I'll be goddamn I'm hold a piss cup for <laughs> I think by I the time you are holding limits. Yeah, the you, piss cup for Jim Jones, I think he safely we can say you have some problems. I would think. Yeah. How can how can I make Jim proud of me? Yes. And of course, the more he grovels to earn his approval, the worse it gets. And Jim Jones consider him like scum. You're not even worth holding my piss anymore. Exactly. You've been demoted. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Oh, my God. 
So it can always be worse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, if you're not holding the peace cap for Jim Jones, I think there's room for improvement. If you're at that point, I think we're done talking. There's no room for improvement. But wow. if you are before that spot, I think we're good. Have there ever been any happiness cults or everybody's just happy? I mean, I, I, like you're talking about that original settlement where let's just hang with the Indians yeah. and everybody. I mean, that could have worked out so nicely. Yep. But we don't have it in us. Yeah, I think that's why I'm uh, very attached when I find stories that are just stories about great human beings who are just good people. Because so often I start a research thinking, this is going to be, and halfway through the first book, I'm like, oh, Ooh. not as cool as I remember. I had a collection of uh, something there that they did not need to have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, a lot to ponder there. Yes, indeed. We well, haven't solved anything again. You think by now. No, but help us out, seriously, because I think if you vaguely understood what we're talking about in our ramblings, um, that's the big question. How do we take that thing that we can quite name? Nuance, Taoist, there are 10,000 words to dance around it, but there's that something, that approach that would tremendously help human communication, problem solving, and lots of other things. How do we find ways to communicate it clear in a more clear fashion, more effective, more replicable, more all of that? Because if you figure that out, you've done gigantic steps to help make the world a better place. The fucking music means one thing. That's the end of another fine episode of the Drunk Dallas Podcast. A beautiful gray day. It's going to rain on us tonight. That was a nice little chat. It was indeed. So I hope you guys enjoyed it. Tell your friend, your grandma, your goldfish that this podcast does not horrendously suck and that adds something halfway decent to your life. We appreciate that. And with that, we also wish you a very good day. Au revoir. What do I have to do? One day the rod shall teach you. D-B-O-L-E-L-L-I Good shit. R-I-C-H-I-M-O-N and the numeral one. And so ends another awesome episode of the Drunken Dallas Podcast. Be sure to keep your ears peeled for another mind-expanding episode coming soon. We'll be tweeting you as they come out. You can keep track of Danielli at dbolelli. That's D-B-O-L-E-L-L-I. And you can find me on Twitter at Richimon1. R-I-C-H-I-M-O-N and the numeral one. We'll see you all soon. Woo! All right, let's go to rehearsal. We'll roll on this one. Oh.